0: Are Locked On Kentucky, your daily podcast on the Kentucky Wildcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Alright, what's going on, Big Blue Nation? Welcome on in to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. I'm your host, Lance Dahl, writer for Sports Illustrated for various SEC-related things. But on this podcast specifically, we take a dive into all things Kentucky athletics. On today's episode of Locked On Kentucky, going to be talking about a little Kentucky football. Going to have some football practice and scrimmage notes later on in the show. Also going to talk about what's going on with running back Chris Rodriguez Before we do that, though, I want to talk to you guys about some Kentucky basketball recruiting. Justin Edwards, if you do not know, is a five-star small forward that is committed to the Wildcats. Uh, I believe he was the commitment that bumped up Kentucky's 2023 recruiting class to the number two class in the nation, at least on 24-7 sports. But Justin Edwards, even though he's going to bring a lot of talent, obviously, to the Wildcats on the court. And I believe we talked about him actually in a recent episode. He's doing a lot of things off the court right now in order to benefit the Wildcats and their recruiting class. What do I mean by that? Well, according to a recent interview with circuit scouting, Justin Edwards says that he is trying to recruit Aaron Bradshaw and DJ Wagner to commit to the Wildcats. For those of you that do not know who Aaron Bradshaw and DJ Wagner are, you can only assume After hearing about Justin Edwards' five-star, these are two other really talented players that he's trying to get to come play for the Wildcats, and you would be correct. Five-star center Aaron Bradshaw. We've talked about him quite a bit, actually, here on the show, and we're going to get to him later. DJ Wagner, five-star combo guard. And according to Justin Edwards in his interview with Circuit Scouting, he said that Bradshaw and Wagner are like a package deal. That is a direct quote. He said they are like a package deal. We spoke here on Locked On Kentucky with Jason Jordan, the Director of Basketball Recruiting for Sports Illustrated, just a few days ago. And we asked him about DJ Wagner. And he said initially that DJ Wagner was was going to announce his commitment sometime during or after Peach Jam. And it looked like early on in Wagner's uh, recruitment that he was a Louisville lean. Kenny Payne was trying to draw him to play for the Cardinals. But as things went on, it looked more like it was going to be a Kentucky-Louisville battle, and then all of a sudden things just kind of shifted in the favor of the Wildcats, and it looked like Kentucky was going to get this kid during Peach Jam, but now, according to Jason Jordan, Wagner is slowing things down in terms of his recruitment, and this is actually a direct quote here from Wagner. He said, I'm taking it one day at a time, taking my time with it. There hasn't been anything major or serious that has changed. I believe that was in a, re- in a recent interview with 24-7 Sports. That's when... Wagner said that. So we talked to Jason Jordan about that, and he said, honestly, there's not a whole lot to worry about. It seems like the kid is trying to weigh his options and really figure out what he wants to do, and honestly, what can you do other than understand that and respect it? But an interesting note here about DJ Wagner kind of drawing things out, trying to figure out, okay, what are all of my options? You know, if that sounds familiar, you look over, to Aaron Bradshaw, five star center, and we've talked about him a lot on this podcast. So initially, it looked like Aaron Bradshaw was going to commit to the Wildcats. Gosh, it might have been a month and a half ago at this point, point. and then just I, I, it might have been a week, might have been days before he was he was set to announce something, or it looked like he was going to announce something. He decided that he would not be announcing anything, and said he was going to take his time with things. And it looked like he was kind of a G League Louisville lean after a couple of media pulled their crystal ball predictions for him to land at Kentucky. And after Kentucky got Ugona Kingsley, another five star center who reclassified to the 2022 class, it looked like, okay, well, if Kentucky's going to take a center, they've already gotten one. They've now kind of stepped up and chosen Ugona. And Aaron Bradshaw is probably going to go play in the G League more likely than not. At least that's what we were saying here on, on, on this podcast. But now things have kind of circled back around, according to reports. So Bradshaw initially interested in Kentucky, then maybe not so interested in Kentucky. And now, all of a sudden, he he's kind of back on Kentucky's radar. He's back on Kentucky's radar with a high school teammate In DJ Wagner. And if Justin Edwards is out here saying, after he's been in communication with these kids, hey, we're trying to get them. I'm trying to get them to come play with me. They're like a package deal. You can only assume that if one of these kids decides to commit to the Wildcats, that the other one will follow him. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know. I don't know if Aaron Bradshaw wants to come play for Kentucky. And we spoke with Jason Jordan about this just last week, director of basketball recruiting at SI. I asked Jason, you know, if Kentucky's already got you going Kingsley, right? And, and they've kind of settled on him as their center that they're going to use to not necessarily fill the shoes of Oscar Shebae, because it's going to be very difficult for anybody to do that, but to be the next guy up at the center position. You're going to Kingsley looks like that choice. Is Aaron Bradshaw going to want to come in, play for the Wildcats, and compete for playing time, knowing that Bradshaw is talented enough to really go play just about anywhere else, get that starting spot, and earn those minutes? And Jason said, you know, there are kids out there that want to compete, Right, There are kids out there that actually want to go and and, and compete, but there are some kids out there that don't want to go out there and compete if you know what I mean. Basically what Jason was saying is, of course, these kids want to go out and on on the surface in the big picture realm, go out and compete and win games, but they don't want to have to compete within their own building for playing time to actually go and do those things. They want to settle in to a situation where they can get on things right away and they can compete and actually get on the court. And so Jason said, sure, that may be an aspect of this recruitment is that Bradshaw doesn't want to step into a situation where he has to battle it out with somebody else or split time with somebody else. And because he, here's, the, here's the issue for me, if we're, at, if we're looking at this long-term for Bradshaw, it's like, okay, you're going to Kingsley is reclassified. Now, how much he plays this season, we don't know. We don't really know that yet. To be honest with you, we don't know if he's going to play, period. And after seeing the situation with and Sharp last year, I'm sure a lot of Kentucky fans are on edge about this but let's say you're going to place just a little bit this year. What is he doing? Well, first of all, he's actually getting some experience as a very young player in a conference. That is very, very good. So he's going to get some playing time against some legitimate competition at the division one level. On top of that, he is training in a facility that is known for developing and getting the most out of really good talent, at least for the most part, for the most part. So he's developing in a really good program. And then on top of that, he is playing behind the National Player of the Year in Oscar Sheebway. He's getting to learn from one of the best in the collegiate game. That sounds like a win-win-win for you gonna. Aaron Bradshaw steps into a situation where he's having to compete with a player that is now more experienced than him. He's got a little bit more on his frame, which may, be, which may appeal to John Calipari and the coaching staff. We don't know that yet. I'm just speculating. But he's stepping into a situation where he has to compete with a guy that has more experience, that is learning, that has had more time to develop. And so I think that would be tough. I think that would be tough for Bradshaw. But also, you look at it flip side. I mean, you could be playing on a national championship team with DJ Wagner, which Wagner, I don't think, has a whole lot to really spell him from not wanting to come play. I mean, he's probably going to have to compete with Reed Shepard. And and, uh, and I, I guess if C.J. Frederick wants to come back, he can. So you've got you've to compete for a little bit of playing time there. But, I mean, Wagner could step in and take that over, I think, a little bit easier than Bradshaw could take over Kingsley. But all of that speculation, I don't truly know that. But let's say both of them somehow commit. Let's just, for fun here, let's say both of them somehow commit. D.J. Wagner and Aaron Bradshaw because Justin Edwards in Kentucky is trying to get them to come here. That class would look like this. Five-star point guard, Robert Dillingham. Five-star combo guard, Reed Shepard. Five-star combo guard, DJ Wagner. Five-star small forward, Justin Edwards. And five-star center, Aaron Bradshaw. Who said that John Calipari can't recruit? If that happens, who said that he's lost his touch? All right, I want to move on to football practice and scrimmage notes. Going to talk a little bit about Chris Rodriguez and where he currently sits with the Wildcats. Before we do that, though, I want to tell you guys about our friends over at BetOnline. Betonline BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your betting needs. You can find all of your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. You can find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, Combat Sports, Esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports wagering information from live in game betting, scores, podcasts. They've got you covered. You can head to the bet on, betonline.net today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. That's over at betonline.net, and that's where the game starts. All right, continuing along here on the Monday edition of Lan- uh, Locked On Kentucky, Lance Dahl here with you. Yeah, it's not the Monday edition of Locked On Lance Dahl. Chris Rodriguez, according to reports, the star running back for the Kentucky Wildcats will be suspended three to four games. This was per Matt Jones of KSR. If I'm not mistaken, he was the first person to report it. If he was not, I apologize to the person out there that did. But yeah, as we all assumed, uh, Chris Rodriguez is going to be suspended. We, uh, We did not know the amount of games, but now that it's kind of been limited here to three or four, we can kind of get a better idea of, okay, what's, what's really going on here? From what I understand, Chris Rodriguez is being suspended one game for the DUI that he got earlier this summer. And he is getting suspended two to three games for an unrelated issue. Another issue that doesn't have anything to do with the DUI. I have no idea what that is. And to be quite honest with you, I don't think a lot of people out there know what that is and so we can't sit here and speculate on it. What we can sit here and speculate on is whether or not it'll be three or four games. And I mean, you look at Kentucky's schedule, it doesn't really matter either way because those first four games, you know, the most difficult one is is game two at Florida. And if he's going to be suspended either way for that Florida game, then he's going to be suspended either way for that Florida game. And it'll be interesting to see if Kentucky tries to work their way around that. I don't know how they would do it. But on the surface, this looks like a little bit of a problem, right? You've got your star running back that ran, I believe, for the second most yards in the SEC last season behind Missouri's Tyler Beatty. Got a really, really good piece of your offense that kind of makes it go. You know, Kentucky last year, a lot of people kind of assumed on the surface watching this Kentucky offense go that, okay, they've got a quarterback now that can sling it, so they're, they're a little bit more of a passing offense now, right? Well, if you actually bother to watch Kentucky last year, it's very, very clear, and Kentucky's kind of made this clear throughout the offseason, their identity is still controlling things on the ground, physically moving the opponent down the field. It's all about physicality still. And Chris Rodriguez Rodriguez was a huge part of that last year. And so you say, man, what's Kentucky going to do if one of the biggest cogs in their offensive machine is not able to go for the first four games of the year? Well, I'll say first things first. You have Will Levis. And I know that there are a lot of people out there that are still kind of reserved on Will Levis and his ability to truly drive this offense forward and kind of be that, that truck pulling the trailer along. But I think he definitely adds a, 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 a new part of this offense where you can definitely utilize him on the ground, and uh, obviously you can utilize him throwing the ball through the air. But Will Levis, I think, is an answer to this question. And then also, Mark Stoop spoke about this uh, with the media on Saturday, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, Kentucky's got a lot of depth at running back. There are several guys that Mark Stoops has been really, really pleased with. He listed off a bunch of them, but the first guy out of his mouth was Ramon Jefferson, the transfer from Sam Houston State. Said that he's been really, really physical. Will Levis spoke to the media, and Levis said Ramon is like a little bowling ball. Said he's like a smaller version of Chris Rodriguez, <laughs> uh, which is which is a great way to describe one of your teammates. Like a little bowling ball. Uh, but yeah, apparently Ramon Jefferson's been a very physical, hard-to-bring-down runner. And uh, he's he's been getting some good touches. Uh, had some really really good runs according to Mark Stoops. So he's somebody that could step up. You know, Juton McClain, Cavassier, Smoke. Those are other two. There, th- those are a couple of other guys. I mean, Kentucky's got depth at running back. Don't get it wrong. D back with the transfer from Tennessee. Don't get it, don't get it twisted. Kentucky's got depth at running back. So while they're, I don't even want to say that their overall production on-the-ground game is going to take a step back because if Kentucky's O-line, which we'll get to in a second, is still able to establish things up front and Will Levis can run the ball a little bit, I don't know if they're going to take that much of a drop-off. And that's not to say Kentucky doesn't need Chris Rodriguez. No, they need Chris Rodriguez. They need C-Rod for whenever things get real in October. And thank goodness, if he gets suspended for the games, that game that he's back, Ole Miss, at Ole Miss, is a great, great, great uh, matchup. I think for the Wildcats, and running the ball, I think is going to be on the mind of a lot of different players on that field, and uh, some 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 players will be thinking about how to stop it, and some things will some players will be thinking about how to you know push that even further, and so I think that that Chris Rodriguez would be a huge factor in that game. It would be a great time for him to come back, but yeah, the SEC slate as a whole is the point that I'm trying to make here. If C Rod can get back for that, would be good, but. Miami of Ohio at Florida, Youngstown State, Northern Illinois. Game two against Florida on the road in the swamp. That's going to be the one that could really bite you. And I think Kentucky's got enough depth at running back to kind of do, not necessarily what they want in that game, but I don't think it's going to be like a, man, you know, Kentucky lost this game because Chris Rodriguez wasn't here. That could definitely be one of the reasons, but it's not going to be the reason. So Chris Rodriguez suspended three to four game, uh, three to four games. Not that great. Quickly, let's get through some practice and scrimmage notes here. So Kentucky's been through, uh, all, uh, I believe, over a dozen practices at this point. They've now gotten two scrimmages in. I don't believe they're having. I don't believe they're going to have another scrimmage. I think that's it, and you're getting into game prep. I may be wrong on that. But Mark Stoops spoke to the media. Said it was really, really good to get through two scrimmages, and he had some notes. I don't want to go through them here. He said that consistency overall needs to improve. And I like that quote there saying for, with him saying, "You know, our consistency needs to improve because I don't want to sit here and dissect different parts of this team that need to be more consistent. I want to direct our attention to the schedule, and I want to just kind of look at Kentucky football as a whole. So over the past several seasons, and we can just look at this past year as a good example, Kentucky won ten games. It was a good football team with good football players. But sometimes, through that schedule, Kentucky would take their lumps. They would play inconsistently in certain matchups, and it would either cost them a loss or we would make a game competitive that didn't necessarily need to be competitive. I look at the South Carolina game. I look at the Tennessee game. You know, the Mississippi State game, I think, is one that could definitely flip this year. I think that's a game that Kentucky could have won. Just just weird the way that game played played out. Turnovers in that game. But I think Kentucky, from a roster standpoint, especially looking at depth, I think that'll be a key word that we come back to time and time and time again throughout this year is the depth that Kentucky has on some of these other teams if consistency does work itself out. But you look at this schedule, I think Kentucky's more talented than the majority of their team. Uh, the teams that they play. Every game on this schedule is winnable. It's about finding that consistency, and I'm, again, we don't have to dissect individual parts of this team. I'm just saying as a whole, finding more consistency in, let's say, games against Florida, Ole Miss, Tennessee, Mississippi State, we'll throw them in there, there as well. Hey, how about Missouri on the road? Georgia? I mean, those are all games where Kentucky, if they find more consistency, not only could they have a good shot to win, but they could win, and I don't necessarily mean dominate, but, I mean, you like your chances? Against Missouri, Mississippi State, Ole Miss. I mean, those are games that if you go out and execute, you win. There are some games, like last year against Georgia, for example, you went out and you executed to the best of your ability. I think on offense, it was just so hard to move the ball against that defense. There was nothing you could do. It was just, it's, they were simply too talented to beat. Georgia leans on you, they lean on you, they lean on you, and then they break you. And you could see if you want to look at the game against Georgia, specifically this year in Lexington, you could see with a loss of talent, at least on the surface with that Bulldogs team, you could see Kentucky have a better chance to win that game. If they play more consistently and they execute in the areas that they need to, you could see a win. Tennessee on the road. That's a game that Kentucky could have won last year. Probably should have won it, in my opinion. So yeah, just finding more consistency, I think, is, is important. Mark Stoops said the team needs to be more physical up front. They have been. Throughout fall camp, they're getting better at that. Defensive line, he said, is active and disruptive. Those were the two words that he continued to use. Uh, Certain media members asked about individual players on the line. He kept saying about the defense, you know, we're active. We're active. We're much better at that than we were last year. Injuries on the offensive line is what I wanted to get to here. He said injuries on the offensive line. We had several players out this past week. Things are healing on the O-line, according to Stoops, but they are still not where they need to be. They also noted Kentucky's working three players out at left tackle. I said it to begin the offseason, I'll say it again here. Would love to see Keonta Goodwin get, maybe get some time there at left tackle because he's too talented and too, too big of a mammoth, too big of a human being to not at least get a little bit of time, especially here. Look, I mean, you play three cupcakes in September. Come on, at some point, in one of those games, you've got to be able to go, go out there and give him some time. If the starting left tackle, if it's not him, doesn't work out, you've got to be able to give him at least a little bit of opportunity to show what he's capable of. Stoops said there's a, it's going to be a running back by committee type of approach for the offense, as we have cited here already on the show. And then Stoops also said there's prob- there's not going to be a depth chart for two weeks. He said it was like, you know, you know two weeks from now on Monday, I'll get you all a depth chart. Like, gee, thanks. That's kind of, if two weeks from now feels like forever, um, I'm really interested to see what the depth chart looks like, specifically for the offensive line and then also the secondary. Which, speaking about the secondary, Mark Stoops said he feels really, really good about the secondary. Says he feels much better about it heading into the season than he thought he would, which is good for me to hear because the two things that I think could potentially hold this team back are the, is the receiver play and the defensive back end. Uh, Keydron Smith, the Ole Miss transfer, transfer was mentioned by name by Stoops. He said that Keydron's really, really coming along. He also noted about the wide receivers that somebody asked, somebody asked, you know, how's the blocking on the edge with the wide receivers coming along? And Stoops, very, very short uh, throughout most of this this press conference, but very, very shortly said, you know, wide receivers are required to block. And if they do not block well, they will not be out there playing. Very, very direct. He said, in this offense, if you can't block, you're not going to be out there playing. Straight up. That's how it is. He also said Will Levis is looking much better. Said that he threw some tough passes. And some of them, the Kentucky did not complete, but he said that Will Levis made some really good throws. Also said he's not ready to name a backup quarterback. Deuce Hogan, Kaya Sharon. Two guys there that that may be battling it out for that backup spot. You got to think, okay. Will Levis only has at the most fifteen games left. Fifteen, fifteen games left. If Kentucky wins the SEC championship, makes the playoff, and then wins it, he's got fifteen games at the most left with the Wildcats. Uh, and let's enjoy the season while we can. But who's going to be starting under center next year? It'll be interesting. Does Kentucky get a transfer? Do they rock with somebody on roster? Do they rock with a freshman? Dual-threat quarterback, we'll have to see. We will have to see. All right, those were some of the notes from Kentucky's second scrimmage. Things seem to be kind of on schedule, pulling along, and we eventually here, soon, we're going to continue to talk about the offensive line health, I think is going to be one of the most important things to keep tabs on, but we're going to be at some point here within the next week starting to preview the season, give some official predictions for different games, some preseason predictions. And then we're going to start talking about Game 1 against Miami of Ohio. For those of you that don't know, Kentucky plays Miami. It is at 6 p.m. Central Time on ESPN Plus, or I guess on SEC Network Plus. So, yeah, just make sure you stay tuned for that game if you cannot make it. All right, Kentucky basketball added another team to their non-conference slate. We're going to talk about them for a brief, uh, brief moment here in just a minute. But before we do that, I want to tell you guys to just subscribe to the YouTube channel. If you have not subscribed already, there is literally absolutely no reason not to. We're going to be talking a lot of Kentucky football and basketball. It is officially that time of the year. It's sports season. Everything's going to be going on that matters. And it's really, really exciting for me as somebody that really, really enjoys college football as a whole. Speaking of college football as a whole, Locked On has been putting together the Ultimate College Football Preview. It is a seven-episode preview with college experts, local team ex- experts, and Odyssey College Football insiders, and it's everything you need to be ready for the uh, college football season all in one spot. And you can search for the Ultimate College Football Preview on your Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast. I would encourage you guys to go check this out. I appeared on it talking about Will Levis and what he could do for the for the Wildcats this season as a sneaky... Uh, under the radar player to watch out for but yeah if, if if you care about the sport as a whole I would go check that out again search it up wherever you get your podcast or on YouTube but yeah make sure you subscribe right here on On Kentucky you're listening on uh, podcast leave a review uh some of you guys have been really leaving some really really kind reviews recently I've seen them I really really appreciate them maybe at some point here in the uh, in the uh, coming episodes we uh we shout some people out so maybe stay tuned for that All right, wrapping up the Monday edition of Locked On Kentucky. Lance Dahl hanging out here with you here. The Yale Bulldogs have been added to Kentucky's 2022-23 non-conference slate per John Rothstein. I believe he was the first person to report it. Once again, if he was not the first person to report it, I apologize to the person that did. Kentucky has almost no history with the Yale Bulldogs. In fact, they've only played one game before. If any of you can tell me what year they played this game without having already seen an article or something about this, uh, I'll give you a dollar. Uh, not actually, though. According to Big Blue History, Kentucky's played one game with Yale, and it was a 79-58 win over the Bulldogs on December twenty-seventh, 1961. Cotton Nash actually had 16 points and 16 rebounds on 6-for-19 shooting in that game. Those who know, know. Anyway, yeah, so it's been a really, really, really long time since Kentucky's played this team we have only played this team once, absolutely no history here. But it adds on to what is already an interesting non-conference slate, and that's to put things lightly. Before I get to the non-con slate as a whole, just to briefly look at Yale here. So last year they were 19-12. and 12. It's their worst record since 2018. James Jones, their head coach, has just about been there since the dawn of time. Like, really, he's been there since 2000. Uh, he's been there a hot minute. And so Yale, kind of on a little bit of a slide, it looks like. It looks like they're going to be a little younger this year. Azir Swain, who had 50, over 1,500 career points with the Bulldogs, averaged 19 points a game last year. He's graduated. He gone. And, and teams last year, you go and watch it. You look at, you look on Kim Palm, you look at different statistical websites, you'll note teams got to the rim easily against Yale last year, and they got to the rim quick. And if you look on Kim Palm, the average possession length for the oppo- for, for an opponent was 16.8 seconds. Which indicates to me, Yale had a really hard time getting back in transition, and they had a really, really hard time stopping uh, buckets at the rim. They were really, really bad, actually, in uh, in two-point percentage allowed. Oh, excuse me. Their f- average possession length was 16.4 seconds. It was ninth in the country. So teams got back really quick, and they gave up 51.2% of the two-pointers taken by the opponent. So yeah, they really, really struggled at the rim, if that trend spills over into this season, and I would like to assume that with some of the, the younger players that they may have to play in this game, if that trend spills over, the defense is not going to be as tight as it has been in years past. That is a bad matchup for the Bulldogs if they cannot shoot out of it. Why do I say it's a bad matchup for the, for the Bulldogs? Not being able to stop stuff in transition at the rim? Just go watch the big blue Bahamas games, all four of them. Tell me what Kentucky's good at after watching those four games and then come to me in this matchup with me telling you Yale struggles in transition. Yikes. That, that, that could be rough. But Yale's not a bad team. Let's get one thing straight. Azir Swain was a really good player. He was a good player. Played well against LSU, I believe, in the NCAA tournament a couple years ago. I remember watching him in that game like, man, Yale can shoot the lights out of it. Specifically that kid, number five. But he's gone. So who steps up for them is going to be interesting. And again, you look at this non-conference slate, it's interesting. To say the very least, it's interesting. So if you've got Yale, Duquesne, you don't know when those games are going to be played. You've got Michigan State to open the season in the Champions Classic in Indianapolis. There is a good chance, actually, that I'm going to be at that game. We'll stay tuned for that. You've got North Florida. You've got Gonzaga, Bellarmine, Michigan playing in London on December 4th, UCLA and the CBS Sports Classic on December 17th. You've got Louisville on New Year's Eve, which is going to be a really, really fun game. And then you've got Kansas in the Big 12 SEC Challenge. Just a phenomenal, and I mean phenomenal, non-conference slate for the Wildcats and Yale, I think was a really solid addition on top of that. I've asked this question probably about four or five times on this podcast this offseason. I'm going to ask it again here. If you happen to still be listening, first of all, I really appreciate it, but... You, li- you listen to all of those different names on the non-conference slate. Is there a team that Kentucky has not scheduled, been scheduled to play that you would like to see them play? And I ask this question kind of leaning towards maybe not a powerhouse school that's going to be ranked inside the top 25. Maybe think of a team that Kentucky hasn't played in a while or maybe a team that Kentucky just simply hasn't added yet that's maybe an under-the-radar under type of team. In your mind, that could maybe produce a sneaky good matchup. That's your homework. You can leave it in the YouTube comments below, or you can hit me on the socials. All right, that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Kentucky. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On UK. You can follow me on Twitter at Lance Dahl underscore, and you can follow the show on Instagram that is over at Kentucky Podcast. Hey, really appreciate the feedback you guys have been giving on the show. I've had some personal messages uh, recently, giving me a lot of encouragement. Thank you guys so much for that. And I will see you all on the next episode of Locked on Kentucky. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day and God bless.